What is up, sweet friends, and welcome to the Imperfect Success Podcast, the podcast teaching you, a success-driven perfectionist, how to achieve your goals imperfectly. Dun, dun, dun. Today, we're finally doing an episode on AI, specifically how I've chosen to use AI to assist me in my workload, in my personal life, how I've chosen very deliberately not to use AI. We'll also be going into specific chat GBT prompts that I literally now swear by, and also a story about AI that makes my skin crawl. So let's dive in. My name is Nicole Baker-Holloman. I'm a coach for perfectionists, a recovering perfectionist herself, and a striver for imperfect success. I'm so excited to be here today because this is an episode I've wanted to do for a while, but I really wanted to let the AI craze simmer. Not only that, I wanted to figure out really how I'm wanting to use it, wanting to let the chips kind of fall where they may before I start talking about and using like, you know, like, here's the AI buzzwords, I didn't really want to do it like that. I wanted this to be a very deliberate episode on how I use AI, how I think about AI, and how I very much don't use AI as well. Because I have some very, I won't say strict boundaries, but I have some very deliberate boundaries around AI that have really helped me out. And I love it. So first and foremost, if you are a well-versed AI-er, or if you have never touched AI in your life, this is an episode for you. We're not going to be going into all the tech and the techie terms and all that kind of stuff. This is going to be a very, very, very umbrella overview. If you're someone who is very well-versed in AI and you are wanting the super high-tech conversation, this isn't the podcast for you, and that's totally okay. So if you're still with me, I'm assuming you're someone who is definitely testing the waters with AI, you're trying to figure out how to make it work for you, or you've never even touched the AI platform. So first and foremost, I want to touch on how I think of AI, because I don't think of AI as like the God's savior or like how, um, you know, how the world is going to be working for fucking forever. I don't think that AI is going to replace human beings. I'm just going to go ahead and say that point blank. I do not see that happening. I've attended a lot of panels about AI by um, creators of different AI platforms and different AI businesses, and they agree. They also do not think that AI is ever going to replace humans, particularly humans in the creative process. We are humans with emotions. We are humans with ideas. We're humans that do not have the ability to be replaced in that way. Now, I think some of the meticulous things that we do um, that, you know, don't really necessarily light up that creative or that emotional load definitely can be enhanced by AI. I do not believe it can be replaced. So the way that I think about AI in terms of how I use it is I always think about it as an assistant. It's not anything to replace me. It's not anything to replace writing or whatever. It is my assistant or my virtual assistant that just happens to be artificial intelligence. I always think about it this way, like what are tasks that I really, really don't enjoy enjoy doing that I can just kind of delegate to that good old fashioned AI platform? Now, when I'm saying AI here, I'm typically talking about JotGBT. Um, that's more or less the one that I use most often. I probably say I use that at least once a day, minimum four times a week. Um, and it's become a very regular part about 
of of my workload because it literally, in my opinion, is my assistant. So I always think about it is like, what is a task that I don't like that I can just like pass off to that sweet, sweet chat GBT. But I want to cover this up top. This is how I do not and will not use AI, because this is a really um, a controversial topic, to be quite honest. There's some people who are really, really against AI. And to be honest, that's totally fine. Your morals are your morals. Your boundaries are your boundaries. This is not to convince everyone to use AI. These are just my personal opinions. But I very much never want to use AI to replace me as a teacher or creator. I teased up top that I was going to tell a story about um, how AI was used in a way that did not really sit well with me. And the, the, for example, here's here here it is. But the I, I was at a conference, for lack of a better term, or a, not even a conference. I was at a gathering. I don't even know if I can call it a conference. And someone was giving a talk on how they used ChatGPT to write 42, 46, it was somewhere in the 40s, children's books that they immediately turned around and printed and got published and started making passive income off of. And I, uh, something in my gut was like, I don't know about that. I don't really under, like, interesting. Like, that seems like a very large number. And this was also, I think it was like in under an hour. So like that was kind of like the buzzable, you know, topic of conversation. This all happened in under an hour. And I, I felt very uncomfortable with that. I was like, that just seems to me like this is in it for the money. That seems to me like it's in it for like, how can I make a quick buck as fast as possible, which is never my MO. I'm always looking at what's the, you know, obviously I'm a business, making money is part of the business, but it's always from a place of what's going to make the most impact. That is the biggest part. So I started doing a little bit of digging and figuring out, okay, what's the deal with these? the books made no sense. They were very choppy. They didn't really have a story. Some of them did, some of them didn't. And it was just, it it just did not matter. Like they were very, very um, all over the place. And so when it comes to AI, when I think about it like that, that's when I think about oh, our morals are being very much tested with this stuff. So when I think about how I will not use AI. First and foremost, I will never use it to replace me as a creator. I, I, if I'm writing children's books, I am writing children's books. When I do eventually write a book, because it's not an if, it's a when, I will actually write that book. Like that is, that is me actually going to be writing it. Um, I'll also never use it to replace me as a teacher. I know some people who have had ChatGBT write courses. That to me feels very, very uh, wrong. I don't, I don't like the idea of doing that. I very much want to be in charge of what I am teaching. I want to be very mindful of what I'm teaching. So I make sure I'm teaching the right stuff and I'm meeting people where they're at. Um, however, I will put a big asterisk here. I do use it to help enhance material or research or expand or um, change verbiage of something that I'm really struggling with or something like that. I use it to enhance the teaching. I will never use it to replace place the teaching. And I have some very hard and fast rules on that, which we'll talk about in a moment. I also know some people are using um, AI voice dubs for podcasting. That will never happen on this platform. I, I speak into this microphone every week and I love it and I don't want to change that. That is one of my favorite things about what I do. It's in fact 
expanding into an entirely personal project that I'm working on with my sister. So that's a whole other thing. But like, I will never, ever, ever use podcast to dub a voice, um, particularly my voice for a podcast episode. Now, I know some people use it to like if they flub up a section like a word or a sentence or something they'll use AI to fix that word or sentence or something so they don't have to go back record it fix the levels da 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 that I'm not opposed to but it is sections like sentences or words um but I haven't played around with that yet to be honest and to be honest I don't really know if that's something I'm wanting to dive into in the near future it's something that I'm not opposed to but um never a whole episode because that feels very unethical to me. Um, I'm sure there's more that I'm not thinking about. Basically, the big thing for me is never using it around creating courses so I can just pump out things as much to get a buck. That feels very not aligned with who I am and my values. Um, And also using AI as something to, uh, like, for instance, I don't really use AI to write emails. If they're like, if I'm wanting to write a sales email for like, for instance, the masterclass that happened last week, um, or excuse me, the scheduling workshop that happened last week, I wrote all of those emails. I wanted to write all of those emails. Did I have AI help me make a few sentences a little clearer or, um, you know, write something that uh, make this more in their language? Yeah, I've done that a few times. And to be honest, it's worked pretty well. I really enjoyed it. Sometimes it's like, hmm, you gave A for effort, chat GBT, A for effort. But um, I, I do help it to enhance my creative process, never to replace my creative process. So my hard and fast rules around AI. So that's how I don't use AI. Here's my like boundaries around AI and what I do. Number one is I always proofread. I was at a conference last week and they were talking about AI and um, using it for a social media platform for podcasting, which was a freaking awesome session. I loved it. Um, And she was mentioning how a lot of people, she, the CEO, she was mentioning how a lot of people will plug in their podcast info, get generated captions or generated show notes or whatever, not proofread and just immediately post them. And she was infuriated by this information, even though that's the premise of her business. She's saying at the core of what we do, we help enhance or further along the creative process, never replace it, kind of like what I'm saying up here. But she was saying what they do on their platform, they never want people to just take it at face value. They want to have people proofread it. They want people to enhance it. They want people to delete things that aren't important. Like that is deeply, deeply important to them. And I found that really interesting as someone who literally created a platform around making AI write your captions for you or making AI do your videos for you, da, 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 da. So I love that even people who are in charge or CEOs or creators of AI platforms are still even saying, you need to always proofread. I love that. I agree with that. So number one rule for me always, always, always with AI is proofread and adjust and change and rewrite. And it, it for me, it's like, oh, this is my this is a first draft. It gives me a first draft, not a final one because it's not perfect. Along with that, if I'm using it for, let's say, research. So you know, let's say I'm doing a podcast episode and I want to pull, um, uh, you know, peer reviewed scientific studies about 
flow state. I did this last week with, um, with or two weeks ago, whenever that was for the episode on flow state. And I got a list of here's some peer review generated, blah, 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 blah. And then I go into Google Scholar. I go into, you know, platforms like that. And I type in keywords from that study to find said study and then read it to make sure it is exactly what it is saying in ChatGPT. Because what I've seen is sometimes, because I've, I've literally seen this firsthand, one of the stats that it gave me was so wrong and not correct at all. And I want to make sure I'm always giving the most accurate information. Now, the reason I use this for research is because it's able to cut down that initial um, like finding research stage, which does take a really, really long time, at least in my book, someone who didn't go to school and study things that needed peer review scientific studies all the time. So for me, it's an easier way to get to the end result a lot faster, but it is never something I take at face value. Um, my number one rule other than proofreading and research, these are all number one, to be quite honest, is if I do not feel comfortable sharing how I'm using it, it meaning any AI platform, with my community, with you listeners, then I'm not using it for the right reasons. And I will not use it for that reason. Um, I, I didn't really have this like in a sentence in my head until I was actually at the conference last week. There were so, so many um, sessions on AI and ChatGPT and how you can use it to enhance your podcast, how listeners want you to use it and how they don't want you to use it. But this sentence was shared and I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize I was actually doing that until they said it in that exact way. So I'm totally just like, paraphrasing what they said. Um, but thank you for the inspiration and putting words in my mouth and um, greatly appreciated. But I, I I strongly believe that if I'm doing something that's like, ooh, you know, I don't really know if listeners would appreciate this. Like for instance, the voice dubbing the podcast, like I would feel so weird if I put out a episode on something or other like you know let's on perfectionism we'll go really really broad topic but like if I put out an episode on perfectionism and it wasn't me talking um first and foremost I don't think I'd be able to get the emotional emphasis and even people who are in charge of making AI dubs do agree that they're not quite to the point of emotional emphasis yet that we as human beings are able to produce because we have millions and millions of years under our belt of you know practicing this emotional intelligence, how we raise an eyebrow and how it conveys a certain emotion, how my voice can go up here and how it can go down here and how that will create a certain emotion. Whereas AI doesn't really do that. And I would feel so weird if that happened and you guys didn't know. So I am very, very, very wanting, very much wanting to be transparent. Now, the irony is that this is the first episode I'm doing on AI, even though I've been using it for probably about six months now, is because I wanted to make sure I'm testing the waters. I want to make sure I'm using this in a way that actually enhances my business, not just like kind of placeholder stuff. I wanted to make sure I had like a little bit more education under my belt before we did an episode on it. So now I'm spilling the tea, friends, on all the ways I use AI. Speaking of which, how do I use AI? Let's talk about it. You know that every episode of the Imperfect Success Podcast addresses different areas of perfectionism and the strategies to overcome them. But did you know that there are three different types of perfectionists? And yes, 
you are absolutely one of them. But to save you time on some deep soul searching, I created a free quiz called What Type of Perfectionist Are You? And no, this is not your classic BuzzFeed quiz where you learn what Starbucks drink you'd be in Ted Lasso and then move on with your life. This is a quiz that goes way deeper. You will not only learn your perfectionist type, but you'll also learn how to catch yourself when you're in the negatives of your type of perfectionist and the step-by-step process to get out of it. Plus, you'll also learn the positives of your type. And yes, you have them, despite what you may think. After studying perfectionism for five years, I started noticing three major patterns of the people I coached, people in our community, and within myself, because I am absolutely a recovering perfectionist. But each of these patterns had a superly different strategy to get out of your type of perfectionism. And thus, the quiz was born. Now, over 2,000 people have taken this quiz and learned how to get out of perfectionism. Just go ahead and picture a proud Nicole coach face right here and insert that. That is just mind-blowing to me. You can learn what type of perfectionist you are completely for free by heading to the link in the show notes or by going to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash quiz. Now, back to the show. The biggest, biggest way I use AI is in podcasting, mainly because there are so many moving parts. There are so many little things that you, a listener who does not own a podcast or doesn't do a podcast, might not know. So for instance, there's the show notes, there's the title, there's gathering research, there's um, brainstorming new topics, there's the editing, which luckily I have an editor. Shouts to you, Ariel. She's amazing. I love you. Thank you for dealing all with all my mic bullshit that's been going on the past few months. She's been a champion with it. Um, but there's transcripts of the podcast. There's um, now really cool things with video editing that will make it easier for this to go on YouTube, which is something I'm planning on doing very, very soon, so on and so forth. So let me go into each of those individually. Primarily, I use AI, mainly ChatGPT, for title generation and show notes. So I am, I'm doing this, this is rather new, so keep, bear that in mind, but taking transcripts of the podcast, basically plugging it into an entirely different AI platform that we'll talk about in a moment, but I take the transcript AI generated of the podcast, I plug it into ChatGPT, and I say, write me 10 um, titles that would be highly clickable for someone who is X, Y, or Z. Um, I've also put toyed around with, um, write five titles that are in the, oh my gosh, what did I say? That are in the, um, same vein as BuzzFeed article titles, I think I said, and it was hilarious what it came up with. Some of them weren't so great. Some of them I was like, I can tweak this and make this work. It was really funny. I think when it comes to using this for things like titles or things like um, just kind of shorter things that really need to pop, being as specific as possible. What's the tone of voice you want it to be in? What's the, um, what do you want it to emulate? Like I had it emulate BuzzFeed articles or I've had it emulate, um, I think Wall Street Journal articles in the past. And to be quite honest, none of those worked out. <laughs> that was not fun. Um, but I have that and and in the back of my mind. So that has worked really, really well when it comes to helping me generate podcast titles. Now, sometimes I use it for podcast titles. Sometimes I don't. It really depends on the episode and if I already have a title in mind. But if I'm stumped, especially if you guys don't know, podcast titles are so important, especially when it comes to getting new listeners, because it's the first thing they're going to see 
other than the podcast name. So that that has been really helpful when it comes to generating podcast titles. And I've even seen an uptick in people listening to new people listening to episodes that have been generated by ChatGPT. Ooh, interesting. Um, show notes is the other big thing that I use this for. And that is a godsend. <laughs> godsend. I... Uh, confession. I hate writing show notes. I hate it so much. They are so boring and I can't stand it. There is no, nothing that can change my mind. Nothing will change my mind. I hate writing show notes, point blank. So because of that, I have started taking the transcript or just taking the introduction and like maybe a few bullet points of what we talk about in the episode, plugging it into ChatGPT and saying, please write the show notes for this episode on blank. And It'll, uh, it, it really is hit or miss. I do have to do a lot of cleanup with it. And sometimes I do more, sometimes I do less. Those I'm a little bit more lenient on with them being kind of more copy paste. I never just copy paste though, like point blank. I always edit, copy paste. Just depends on how much work I'm wanting to put into that editing. TBD. Something I am going to start doing though is um, not only having it write the show notes, having it, you know, do key takeaways, which is something we've added because of ChatGBT, which I love. Um, but the big thing is also adding um, uh, SEO verbs and SEO verbs, <laughs> SEO words, so that it's easier to be found on the web, and so that's easier to be found in, um, you know, Google or Apple Podcasts, and kind of playing more of that game that I haven't really been focusing on recently. So that is another way that that can be really, really helpful, and not really something you need to use a lot of brain power on because, again, I can't stand writing show notes. <laughs> confession. I don't care. Uh, another thing I use ChatGBT for primarily is supporting research for the episode. Again, like I said earlier, I never take it at face value. I always go into things like Google Scholar, type in some words from that research that they, um, that ch they, ChatGPT, pulled, um, read the study to make sure it is what it is saying. Um, so that is deeply important to me, but that is something I do use ChatGBT for pretty regularly nowadays, which I love. It's making it so much easier to bring you guys latest research and bring you guys peer-reviewed studies and make sure that I'm not pulling something from Joe Schmo's blog about this is 84% of ba -da -da, and it's actually not even a real scientific poll. So that's something that's deeply, impo deeply important to me, um, and that is something I'm going to continue doing, and I love it. Um, I also use it to brainstorm new podcast topics. So, for instance, I have a podcast coach. Him and I went into ChatGPT, and we said, what are some things that high achievers are struggling who are also dealing with perfectionism? And there were about 10 episode titles that it, or excuse me, 10 episode ideas that it generated, and most of which we've done before, which made me kind of like pat myself on the back, feel pretty good, but um, some of which we haven't. And and I was like, ooh, that's a really good idea. I like that a lot. And so I will take that idea and then put my personal spin on it. Again, that's what I think is deeply, deeply important because it's me, the podcaster, me, the teacher, me, the community leader, not ChatGBT. So while it helped generate a podcast topic, I am going to be the one who's plugging in all the information and my opinions and my studies and my findings and my experience and da 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 da, da with that topic. Um, so that's all the ways I use chat GBT for the podcast, at least right now. Some, I'm sure that some things will change and some things will do whatever. I do have another major, um, podcast 
platform that I use for with AI particularly, and that is a platform called Descript. I am not sponsored by them. I freaking wish. I love their product. I was actually but when I was at that podcast conference last week, I met a lot of them. I talked to their booth a lot. I got a free tote bag. Thanks, guys. I love it so much. And I was able to figure out things about the platform that I'm not taking advantage of and things that I'm using. And so we're actually going to be changing some things in the back end um, with because of what I learned from them at the podcast conference. So shouts to you, Descript. I love you so much. So basically what Descript is, is you go into... The um, uh, you go into the Descript platform, you plug in a video that you use for podcasting, for social media, for whatever, and it will generate an entire written transcript of it. And then you can edit it like a Google Doc. So basically, if I'm going through my, you know, uh, Descript transcript of this episode, and I notice that I flub up quite a bit because I have multiple times in this episode already, um, and I will go ahead and highlight that section where I flub up and press delete. And it not only deletes the audio, but it also deletes that section of the video and just kind of transitions to the next section. So I love this because it makes not only video editing so much easier, it makes sure that I'm getting the juiciest information for social media promos or for, um, you know, uh, something, like I said, I'm going to be doing some YouTube stuff going forward, like going to help me with editing YouTube videos way, way faster because it's so much easier for me to read a Google doc than for me to go through a whole effing video and like iMovie or something like that, which I'm sure some video editors just like rolled their eyes. That's, I'm not very technologically sound when it comes to that. So that's a really easy way for me to do that. Uh, that being Descript. Um, other things that I use in Descript, which is really, really helpful, is taking the transcripts. Like I mentioned earlier, I pull the transcript because it's already written like a Google Doc. Hooray! It's already written like a Google Doc, so I can literally just plug that into ChatGPT and say, write the show notes for this episode. Here's the transcript. Um, so that makes it really easy. It also, something I'm wanting to do going forward, makes it easy and accessible for people who can't listen to podcasts so they can read podcasts. So that's going to be really important. Something I'm also toying around with is taking that transcript, seeing if I can make it into a blog post and make that also available. This is not something we're doing right now, but it's definitely something that I am keeping in mind for the future so that there are ways for people to um, access this information who maybe aren't podcast listeners. Um, other things in Descript that I love are they do studio sound quality change. So it basically just makes whatever you're talking to the microphone it adjusts it to studio sound quality, which I've seen work and sometimes not work. It depends. Um, but for instance, my editor, Ariel, again, shouts to you. I'm just going to plug you like crazy throughout this episode because you are my godsend. Um, Ariel will, you know, send me clips for social media promos. So then what I will do is I'll go through those clips. I'll put them in Descript and I will read the transcript and I'll be like, what is the juiciest part of this, of these clips? And I will go through and I'll edit and I'll clip them together and I'll make it all, you know, kind of seamlessly transition. And I do that in Descript and it takes not a lot of time. But then because the transcript is there, I can also generate captions there. I can make it really, really easy for me to just plug and play everything, which has been so much easier than going back and forth between things like Canva and then Instagram or stuff like that. Um, this is something I just learned about. I haven't used it yet, but something I'm toying around with using 
in Descript, there's something called eye correction. So, you know, when I'm working on this podcast, my, if you've seen any of the social media promos, my, you know, gaze is sometimes down because I'm reading notes, I'm reading the outline to make sure we're staying on track. And as a result, my eyes drift, you know, and I'm not looking at the camera, I'm not looking at the video that we're, we're recording on here. So one of the things that Descript now does is they do something called eye correction, which corrects your eyes from looking off to the side or looking down to looking at the camera. And I'm going to test this out. It's a little intense. Sometimes it feels like, oh my God, they're staring into my soul. Ah! So um, I'm going to test it out. I'm going to see what that looks like. But I think that that's a really cool tool that can make it feel a little bit more personal. It can make it feel a little bit more, um, you know, like uh, someone's really looking at you and, and, and holding your attention a little bit easier without you feeling like you need to constantly have your eyes on the camera. So that's something I enjoy. Again, I'm going to toy around with it. If it gets a little creepy, I'm not going to use it. Um, I do think that 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 for me is a very borderline thing because correcting my eyes is 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 interesting and also I don't want it to be too perfect because this is a podcast for perfectionists so there you go so that's Descript. I love it. If you are a podcaster, please, for the love of God, check it out. It is one of my favorite things. I think it is brilliant. If you're a YouTuber, I also think it's really, really helpful. Um, and there's so many things that you can do in it that I'm not even going to begin to cover because it's so, so, so dense. So highly recommend Descript. I love you. You're an amazing AI platform. I enjoyed meeting you last week, Descript. And thank you for the tote bag. Um, back to ChatGPT because that's all the things I use for the podcast. Now let's move into some things that I use for the business. Um, just recently when I did the workshop of, uh, the grounded goal getter, which is the scheduling workshop, I'm recording this actually the day before we're having the workshop. Woohoo. Hooray. Um, but I originally was going to have the sales page for grounded goal getter be, again, the first draft be written by ChatGBT. So what I did is I went into ChatGBT and I said, I'm going to ask you to write a sales page in a minute, but I want you to understand my brand voice, the ideal client who's going to attend this, um, my pain points of the ideal client avatar. I want you to understand my, my business model, all this kind of stuff. I want you to understand all these different things before I have you write it. What are 10 questions that you need to ask me to be able to understand these things? And then it generated 10 questions. I went off to the side, took me about 30, 45 minutes, I really took some time to answer these questions. And then I plugged it back in and it generated a sales page for me. I'm going to be honest, the sales page was meh, but there were a lot of things that I could use from it that I tweaked and I adjusted. And honestly, it was the questions that really helped me. So I took a lot of the information from the questions that I had written and then plugged that into the sales page. So again, that that was very virtual assistant. It wasn't so much of, um, you know, like, let me write it for you. It was much more assisting me in writing it, but that was so helpful. And I'm definitely going to be doing that again. So again, it was primarily written by me, but it was generated um, specifically for the questions, the content, all that kind of stuff from ChatGPT. Content for the sales page, not content for the workshop, I should be clear. Um, other things that I do is uh, social media content. So I get ideas from ChatGPT. So like, for instance, um, going in and being like, what are high achievers who are struggling with burnout experiencing? And it'll generate a few different options. And I'm like, ooh, I can make a video on that. I love that idea. Again, helping me create content. It's never replacing the content creator. Um, other things that I've toyed around with is AI magic from Canva. To be quite honest, the few times that I've done this, it has been 
a big fat F. <laughs> Not great. So this one's kind of been iffy for me, but I do know a lot of people who have sworn by it. So check it out if you're a Canva user. It just hasn't really proven proven its worth to me. Um, and I, I also am just so versed in Canva that I maybe old habits die hard. And uh, last but not least, how I use AI is in my personal life. I am currently, I've kind of toyed around or tease this a little bit, but I'm currently working on a personal new hobby with my sister and I, and we're brainstorming titles for what that thing is going to end up being. I'm not going to drop it yet just because we're very much in the beginning stages, um, but I'm really excited. I, I've, I've, I've felt more creatively fulfilled, not in like a personal development way, but just in a like letting my freak flag fly way than I have in a really long time. So I'm really excited about it. And the title we ended up going with for this thing uh, actually came from ChatGBT. So thank you, ChatGBT. We greatly appreciate you. Um, I'm also in a D&D campaign. I'm really letting my nerd flag fly today. It's really great. Um, I'm in a D&D campaign for the first time. And one of the things that we're doing is using a platform that... Um, is, you know, assisting the DM, the dungeon master, um, with generating content and making sure we all know where we are in the scene and all that kind of stuff. And for that, you need to have a character token, which means you need to have a little character photo. I used an app called Fotor, F-O-T-O-R, to create my little character token. And she's fucking cute. I love her. Her name is Nift. She's a little half elf and I love her. Um, so that she's also a paladin for those who play D&D. My first ever D&D campaign, I decided to go with paladin and it's a really good choice. I'm digging it. Um, so that's a way that I've used AI, but I mean, also on photo, you can get a photo of you and you can generate it for a headshot. You can generate it for like, I know a lot of people are doing that on LinkedIn right now. You can generate it for a caricature. So um, if I wanted to do a cartoon version of me podcasting, I could do that on Fotur. Um there, there are so many things. I mean, you can change lighting, you can adjust so much stuff there. Again, there's so much on there that you can do. I want to always be very transparent because we as consumers, for instance, on social media can see a photo that's been highly, highly, highly AI edited. And we might not know, and we might just think their skin is that perfect or the lighting is so beautiful or that place where they are in, you know, Bangladesh is just so freaking green, but it's been enhanced entirely. So I always, you know, want to be very clear that, hey, I'm using a filter or hey, I'm using Fotur or something like that. If I ever use that in business settings or in something like that, I which I haven't yet, but who knows? The the year is young. And last but not least, a way that I use uh, ChatGPT primarily in personal life is my husband and I are planning our honeymoon and we for shits and giggles went into ChatGPT and said, um, generate an itinerary for a 10-day honeymoon with X budget uh, that goes through Italy, Monaco, and southern France. Uh, and it did it. I haven't really looked into the places a lot. It was more just for shits and giggles, but it was really fun. And it actually generated a few beach towns in the southern France area that... Um, you know, are ones that we hadn't heard of because we've only really heard of Nice and we're not really sure if we want to go there. Um, so that was really cool for finding new places to match what the vibe we're wanting. So that has been a very unexpected and very fun way of using ChatGBT personally. Whew. Friends, we did it. That is the AI 
episode. Let's do some quick segments before we wrap it up for the day. Number one, what is a goal to celebrate? As a friendly reminder, we ask this question every week because we as high achievers, we as perfectionists are always going on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. We never take time to actually physically celebrate whether we're in the process of a goal or we're accomplishing a goal. So mine is an accomplishment. The workshop is here. It's happening tomorrow. I'm so excited. Of course, tomorrow when I'm recording this, not tomorrow when you're listening to this Sorry, friends, but I'm really proud. This is something that um, I've been wanting to do for a while, and I just kind of hopped into action. And one of the things that I'm really proud of when it comes to uh, this goal, and I'm really wanting to celebrate, is I actually, instead of my old default, which was how do I get there as fast as possible? What can I do? How can I generate this as quickly, quickly as possible? And freaking myself out, I asked myself, what is 50% more time than I need? And I ended up taking that. And to be quite honest, I'm so glad I did because I've been able to take more time with things. I've not felt so urgent or rushed. And that's been awesome, which by the way, that 50% more time is from the essentialism book, um, Essentialist, Essentialism, Essentialism by Greg McGowan, which is an amazing book. Highly, highly recommend it, even though for a second I couldn't remember the title. Hmm. Um, And then last but not least, how was I a perfectionist this week? I'm sick and tired of hearing all these podcasts of all these personal development gurus or coaches being like, I'm perfect. I wake up at 4 a.m. every single day. Um, I'm wanting to break that stigma and I want to break down the barriers and show you guys like, hey, I might be a coach for this hey, I might be very much an expert in this space and wanting to be even more of an expert in this space. And I still deal with perfectionism. So how was I a perfectionist this week? I, like I've mentioned several times throughout this episode, I was at a conference last week. And um, while it was amazing and so fun, and I probably have upwards of what feels like 500 pages, but it's probably just like 50 pages of notes. I really, really got in my head on the first main day of the conference. So the first main day was Tuesday where we were learning and learning and learning. And there were some people on panels saying, you know, download numbers and kind of scoffing at quote, major air quotes, low numbers that um, we have a podcast haven't hit yet. And I was feeling the size of an ant. I was so beating myself up and so down on myself and saying, you know, I called my husband on my way home and was like, what am I doing wrong? What's going like, I, I, you know, felt like we were doing so good. And now I feel like I'm not like, I really got not only imposter syndrome, it was like, not enough times a million syndrome. So that was really hard. And I'm not going to lie, it took a lot of courage for me to get up the next day and go back to the conference. But one of the things I ended up tweaking about my strategy, for lack of a better term, uh, on Wednesday was I decided to attend panels that were very much more beginner panels or very much more like newbie panels. And I ended up getting so much out of it, even though we're in the top 2.5% in globally ranked shows, even though I've been doing this for four years, I do feel like I'm still just getting started in this world. And the, um, the panels for that ended up being amazing. I ended up being able to go up and talk to people from the, the, who were sitting on the panels and getting to you know, talk to them a little bit more and get to know them and even connect with some of them. So that immediately was like, okay, maybe I was just attending the wrong things the previous day and trying to, you know, 
jump ahead too much and I got really, really in my head. So I'm really proud of the adjustments I made, but man, was my perfectionist brain hitting hard on that Tuesday. Friends, that's it. That's all we got for the day. Don't forget to go take that What Type of Perfectionist Are You quiz. It is totally, totally free. And you get to find out not only the type of perfectionist that you are, but you also get to learn tips and strategies on how to overcome the negative sides of that perfectionism and lean into the positive strengths that your perfectionist type has. You can go to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash quiz to take that. Till next time, sweet friends, keep striving for imperfect success. Bye.